0: Well, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter five, so be careful how you live. And just to let you know, that's God's will. God wants you to be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. That's God's will. Don't live like a fool, okay? Don't don't live like that. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. That's God's will. Don't, Don't waste today. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. One version says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And here's the the thing, friend, is that God wants you to know what his will is for your life. He wants you to know what his plan is or his purpose is for for your life. And the good news is, is that God's made it pretty easy for us to know what his will is. In fact, today we're going to look at a, at a number of things that the Bible says this is God's will for your life. Now last week, I, I, I gave you four things that you need to be careful of when you're wanting to know what God's will is for your life, that they would be four unreliable unre- sources of God's will. And this is what I'd like for you to do. If you weren't here last weekend, you were gone on vacation or whatever, maybe you're just visiting this weekend. Let me encourage you to go online, go to our website, and you can go to our messages, archived messages, and for free, you can either listen to the message or you can watch the message, okay? I want you all to, to hear last week's message, okay? Now, now if you've got two or three or five bucks or whatever it is, it's burning a hole in your pocket, when we're done here, you can walk out these doors and go to our resource center, and you can actually purchase the, the CD or the DVD, or, or, but, but either way, I want you, especially if this is your church, Big Valley Grace is your home, uh, I want everybody to listen to last week's message in conjunction with, with this week's message. Now, I ended last week's message with this one major thought, okay? If you want to know God's will, you have to know God's Word. That was the one major overarching thought. That was the big weighty truth that I gave out last week, that if you want to know what God's will is for your life, what God's will is for your family, what God's will is for your business or whatever, then you have to know God's word. The Bible says in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And I've got this little ancient uh, lamp up here. And when King David wrote those words, there's no doubt that he had this in mind, that this would have been a lamp like King David would have had. And when he was in his palace and it would have been night, obviously they didn't have lights back then, he would have lit a, a little lamp like this and it would have taken him from room to room. Maybe if he had to walk down the the street or through his neighborhood one night, he would have lit a lamp like this, filled with olive oil, and he would have walked around. Now, obviously, they didn't have street lights and they didn't have, you know, Duracell lamps or electricity, so the lamps that they had were, were about this big. And it only, you know, lights up what's right in front of you. This doesn't show you what's down the road a mile. This just lights up a few steps, maybe one or two steps right in front of you. And I'm sure that when David pinned those words, he had that in mind, that it's the Word of God, it's the thing that lights up my path. And oftentimes, you know what, you you don't know what God has planned for your life way down the road. He didn't give you the long view of things, usually. Now, we do know we're going to go to heaven at some point. But the long view of life he doesn't give us. He just gives us enough to take a step here and a step there and a step here. And before you know it, the day's over, you get in bed and you've lived out God's God's will. So how does God's word give us guidance? How does God's word give us direction? Well, the the Bible gives us directions through the principles that are laid out here between these two leather-bound covers. The Bible gives us directions through the promises that God has made to us in the the scriptures. The Bible gives us directions through the examples of people that are in the Bible. There's a lot of scoundrels in the Bible and we can learn what not to do with our lives through their examples. And there's a lot of really beautiful, God-fearing people in the scriptures and we can look at their lives and we can say, you know, God wants us to follow their examples, if you will, And then the Bible gives us directions through the commands that God has has given us. One of these things is gonna give you some insight into exactly what God's will is. Now, as I told you last week, it takes some effort. It takes some some juice to figure out what God's will is. Um, One of the things you quickly find out when you give your life over to Christ is that he just doesn't download all the information into your brain. You actually have to uh, use some energy, expend some juice, some, some calories, actually <laughs> opening the Word of God. you got to open it. It takes some juice to actually read the Word of God. It takes some energy to actually you know, get a yellow pad of paper and a a number two pencil and and actually spend some time studying the Word of God, reading a passage or reading a a chapter or whatever it is and going, man, I I get this, but I don't get this. What was God trying to say? And man, you're going back and forth, looking in the Scriptures, trying to figure out what God meant by whatever it is he said. It takes some, some juice to to actually go out and spend some quiet time meditating on the Word of God. You know, you, you, you find yourself alone and with, with the Scriptures, and you're going to just meditate on the Word of God, and what happens, right? Your cell phone goes off. starts vibrating in your pocket, and there's the temptation to stop meditating and, you know, talk to some humanoid instead of talking with the God who created you. You see, it's, it's an easy thing to know what God's will is for your life, but it does take some energy. It takes some energy, some time to, to get into the, the Word of God and read it and all that kind of stuff. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed, and it's useful to teach us what is true. And what is true? God's will. It teaches us what God's will is for our lives. And it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It it helps us realize when we're not in God's will. See? It, the word of God, corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God said this to the great prophet Isaiah. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you, and who directs you in the way that you should go. And, and how does God teach us what is best? Well, in the Old Testament, he used the prophets and, and all those kinds of people. Today, this is what he uses. This is the primary tool that God uses to teach us what is best for us. And what is best for us is to simply live out his will. This is the thing that, that directs our path, the way that we should go. It, it's the lamp unto our feet, if you, if you will, uh, Psalms 37 says this: the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And once again, the primary way that God directs the steps of his people is through his word. It's the, it's the lamp, if you will. One of the things, I, I got a lot of questions about this last week, but um, th- this is an actual lamp from Israel. And in a minute here, I, ju- I just don't want to catch on fire. <laughs> And then someone would post, you know, hey, your pastor was on fire for the Lord. No, 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 he really was on fire, you know. It, um, and uh, it, they're actually just as olive oil in there in a little tiny wick, and that'll last about two hours. And it won't, won't go out or anything. It's just a beautiful little thing. But th- th- this is, you know, the Word of God, it, it's what directs the steps of the godly, it, it's the lamp unto our, our, our feet. So right now, what we're going to do is this. We're going to burn some calories right now. We're going to have a little workout. We're going to expend some energy, and we're just going to look at what God's word has to say about what his will is for our lives. Okay? So when you leave here in just a little bit, You'll never have to say, hey, what is God's will for my life? I'm just trying to figure out what God's will is for my life. You'll never have to say that again. I'm going to give you some some things that are crystal clear in the word of God. It's God's will for our our lives. Now, it's not a comprehensive list, but it's uh, a a pretty good list. So so number one, here, here we go. It's God's will that you love him above all else. It's God's will that you love him more than anything else. Some uh, little young whippersnapper came to Jesus one day and, and said, Hey, tell, tell, tell me, what, what's the, the greatest commandment in the Bible? And obviously we all know, or most of us know what the Big Ten are, right? But there were hundreds of commands given in the Old Testament this young guy came and said, Jesus, tell us what the greatest one is. If you had to boil it all down, man, if I could just do one of them, I mean, trying to do 300 of them is one thing, but just one, what's the greatest one? Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Jesus just flat out tells us, it is God's will that you love him above all else. There's nothing greater that you can do with your life than to love the Lord. And when you think about the first four commandments of the great 10, number one, don't uh, have any other gods before me. Don't make for yourself an idol. Don't use the misuse the name of the Lord and set aside one day and keep it holy. You see, the first four of the great Ten Commandments are all about making sure that you love him above all else. There's nothing greater that you can do with your life than to love the Lord above all else. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. He said, if you want to be my disciples, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Now he's not saying there that you're not to love your mom or your dad, obviously the the fifth of the 10 Commandments was honor your father and your mother. All he's simply saying here is this, your love for God has to be greater than your love for your parents, your love for your spouse, the love for your kids, the love for your grandpa, Love those people. But none of them can trump your love for me. So here's what we're gonna do. I want you just to wrestle around with this for a little bit. And so on your note sheet, I've just simply asked you a a really easy question. And I want you to answer it, and that's this. Do you love God above all else? Or do you love your spouse? above all else or do you love your kids above all else I just want you to be able to kind of just evaluate your own life and see whether you're in God's will or not I don't I don't know you I don't I I don't know what you love above all else this is a moment for you to be confronted with the Word of God and then you just answer the questions And at the end of this, you'll be able to go, man, I'm right in the middle of God's will, or you know what, there's a number of things that I am in God's will, but there are a few things that I'm not, I better work on these things. Now, as I walk through this, I want to have a running dialogue with a particular group of people. Because I know what some of you are uh, wondering, you know, I'm just trying to figure out if it's God's will if I buy a Jeep or a Chevy, Do I, what's God's will? Do I buy the red one or the silver one? What's God's will? Do I live on the north side of town or the east side of town? What is God's will? You know, what college do I go to? And she got accepted to 13 colleges. Which one do I, what's God? I I know you want to deal with those things. I want to deal with this, what God's will is right here. But there is one group of people that I'm going to have some fun with you and uh, you're going to see how you might be able to determine God's will in some of these other areas. And that's this group. Those of you that are single and you hope to get married someday, or maybe you're, you're dating someone and you're wondering if this is the person you should marry. You're wondering, is this God's will? And by the way, that's next to receiving Christ? Is there a more weighty decision than that? Who you are going to make vows with? Who you are going to enter into a covenantal relationship with? I mean, that's a pretty big thing to weigh. You, you, you should want to know what God's will is. So I'm going to kind of walk us through a thing here, okay? So, so here's my question for you. Does the person you're dating love God above all else? Now, now I, don't, I don't know. You, you're the one. You know, part of dating is uh, somebody asks you out on a date, and, you know, it, it's more than just, uh, hey, they're hot. Or, you know, hey, they're really cute. Okay. But you're, gonna, you're trying to make a decision on whether you marry them or not. So we have to get past they're hot. And so I want you to wrestle around with some weighty things here. When you're out on a date having some coffee, having some dinner, walking through a park or whatever it is you're doing on your dates, you need to be evaluating this. Is this a person? Is this guy? Is this gal? Do they love God above all else? And the answer yes, they do, or no, they don't. You're going to make a weighty decision. And it has to be more than just what they look like, or, or what kind of job they have, or how much money they got in the bank, or what kind of car they drive. You're making a weighty decision, and what we're going to do is we're going to kind of walk through this, and we're going to see whether the person you're dating or you should use this as a grid, as a template to figure out whether this is somebody you should date or or even marry or whatever. Number two, it's God's will that you love and care uh, about other people. God wants you to have a heart for other people. Jesus said the first greatest thing that you can do with your life is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul, mind. And, and, then, and then he said a, a second is equally important. He says love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets, all the teachings of the Old Testament prophets are based on these two commandments. That you love God above all else. And that your love for him somehow then translates into a love for others. And for those of you that are visiting that may not know a lot about the Bible, Jesus wasn't saying that we're to have a, you know, love, when it says love your neighbor as yourself, that doesn't mean that it's a narcissistic love, like you get in front of a mirror and, man, I love my pecs. You know, I, I look, you know, look at me. That, that's not what Jesus is talking about there. What he's saying is, is this is that you loved yourself so much this morning. You, you cared about yourself so much th- th- this morning that when you got up, you had a need. You were hungry, and you met that need. That's how much you loved yourself. That's how much you cared about yourself, is that you were hungry, and you fed yourself. Nothing wrong with that. We're supposed to do that. But Jesus says, don't stop there. Don't just love yourself. Don't just meet your own needs, but also have a heart for reaching the needs of other people. There's a lot of people who didn't have breakfast this morning, not because they didn't want to have breakfast. They couldn't afford breakfast. And so so it's God's will that we would have a heart for for others, that we would care about others. And here at Big Valley Grace, our Good Samaritan ministry, uh, every month here, every month, we feed uh, or, or give groceries to over 300 new families here every month. New families every month go out to Good Sam and get all kinds of groceries for themselves and for their families. Oliviana's Closet is a ministry where if a young gal has a baby and they're just in difficult times, single gals, we want to make sure that, that they have clothes and diapers and cribs and, and, and you know bassinets and, and food and all those kinds of things. You see, we're a group of people that we want to take care of ourselves. We're supposed to do that. But as a church family, we want to make sure that we care about others, that we love others, that we're meeting the needs of others. And so here's the question. Um, Do you love and care about other people? Do you have a heart for other people? The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as christ loved us and as a reminder how did christ love us the bible says that he demonstrated his love for us and that he hung on a cross while we were but sinners and we're called to imitate that love we're to care deeply about other people god wants us to live a, a life of of, of love Colossians chapter 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and and patience. Those would all be things. That's all God's will for your life. And I'm not even going to talk about those things. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I'm not even going to talk about that, but that's God's will. And over all of these virtues, put on love. That's the the one virtue that God says, you put that on. And it's a choice that you make. You can either put it on or take it off. It's like going into your closet this morning and you opened your closet and you made a decision as to what pair of pants you were going to wear, what dress you were going to wear. You went in and you took it off of the hanger and you made a choice to put on what you have on. And God says the same thing is true in life when it comes to all the great virtues that God talks about. You open your closet in the morning, he wants you to take out love and put it on. Care about others. Meet the, 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 the needs of others. Jesus said in John 13, your love for one another will prove to the world that you truly are one of my disciples. Paul said, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, it would be nothing If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I gave up my my body for Christ. I became a martyr for Christ. I could boast about that. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is a pretty important thing. It's God's will that you love and care about other people. And and you you answer that question. Do, Do you love and care about people? Do you have a heart for people? How about this? Does the person you're dating love and care about people? Do they have a heart for people? And it's one thing to say, that, yeah, yeah, I care about, you know, what, but, but do you see it being played out in their life? That's a, that's a good thing to kind of look at when you're dating and you're trying to make a decision. You're trying to make a judgment. Is this the, is this the soul I'm supposed to marry? Should I even keep dating this person? That's what you're doing. It's not about having a a great time, though though you may have a great time. You're dealing with something super weighty here. And that's a great question to to ask. And and number three, it's God's will that you become more and more and more transformed into the image of Jesus. Now, now you're never going to be Jesus. You're not even ever going to get close to being Jesus. But the Bible says this, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. See, it's God's will that we become more and more like Jesus. That's God's will. And the Bible is the only place where you're going to get to see Jesus and how we live, which means reading the Bible is pretty important. If you don't know what the Bible has to say about Jesus, it's hard to be transformed into his image, right? It's the word uh, of God where we get to see, you know, the things that were important to Jesus. It's in the word where we get to see how Jesus treated people. It's in the word where we get to see the things, you know, that Jesus wants us to do with our lives. It's in the word where we get to see the things that Jesus wants us to avoid. It's in the word where we get to see the, the life that we're called to imitate you see, now let me give you a, a quick taste of what you find out about Jesus, okay? The person that you're called to imitate. Jesus is forgiving. I mean, you're to be forgiving. It's God's will that you would be forgiving, and I'm not even gonna talk about that. Jesus what was kind. Jesus was Compassionate. Jesus was encouraging. Jesus was giving. Jesus was caring. Jesus was loving. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was merciful. He was holy. He was righteous. And the question you got to wrestle around with is, does that sound like you? See, you're, you're called to become like him. How about this? What, what would your, your spouse say? And for some of you, that, that's a, man, that just really make, make, makes you uncomfortable. Man, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to ask my spouse. That probably gives you the answer to, to, to your question. You see, somebody ought to be able to notice that your life is being changed, being transformed. And if you were to sit down with your spouse or sit down with your kids and say, hey, guys, you know what? It's God's will that I be transformed into the image of Jesus. And here's the deal. How am I doing? Now, you may not like what you hear. It may sting. It may be like a kidney punch. Ooh. But I'm here to tell you, embrace the answer. And say, okay, son. Okay, you know. Your old man heard from the Lord today. Pray for me. Because I know it is God's will that I become more and more like, like Jesus, and, and I, want, I want that to happen, so pr- pray for me. You just just embrace it. See, one of the things about church is that it's supposed to be more than you just come and hear some music, hear a message, go home and do whatever you want. I'm forcing you to, to have to uh, uh, grapple with God's word right now. You know, one of the things about being born and raised right here in Modesto is um, (laughs) people come here almost every weekend and they remember me before I gave my life to Christ. And so they come in here and they don't have a clue and they sit down and the next thing you know, I step up and there's my name up on the jumbo drawn and they go, what? I, I knew that guy. What happened to him? See, that's a good thing obviously something has happened. Last hour sitting right out over here was a guy by the name of Sam Gibson, and when I first gave my life to Christ, he was like one of the very first Christians that I met here at this church, and we weren't in this building. We were on Stanford Avenue. And Sam would have been the first guy to walk up here and go, let me tell you, I knew that kid when he gave his life to Christ, and he's a different man today. I'm not a perfect guy. (laughs) I'm far from it but he'd be the first one to say, you know what, his life has been transformed. I've I've seen him change. That's God's will for all of us who name the name of Christ. He chose you, and and part of choosing you was, you know, there's that old saying that goes like this, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you in the condition that you're in. (laughs) So he wants you to transform into the likeness of his son, and so you've got to wrestle around with that question. Is your life being transformed? Do you see it? Do, do, do you see Jesus in the person that you're dating? You know, one of the things that would be really interesting is to say, hey, listen, you know, you, 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 you've told me the last time we were dating, last time we went on a date that um, you gave your life to Christ 10 years ago at First B. I, I should give you the name of a couple of people. I, I just I want I, I to know how you're doing in your walk with the Lord. And if they give you some names, that's probably a good sign. Now, no, no, no one's going to do it perfectly. I tell you guys all the time, I don't always love the way God wants me to love. I don't always show compassion the way God wants me to show compassion. I don't always treat others the way God wants me to, you know, treat people. I, 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 no one's going to do it perfectly. But there ought to be people in the person that you're dating's life who can give testimony to the fact that their life has, is changing, has changed. And, you know, you're going to make vows with one another. Don't you think you ought to do a little investigating? I mean, when you bought a car, you got online, you did your research, you know, how many horsepower are in this car, you know, what, what, you know all the stuff. And, and you were buying a piece of steel. Shouldn't you put at least as much effort into finding out a little bit about the guy or the gal that you're dating? as you would say, the car you're going to buy? I don't know. It's just crazy me. <laughs> Probably if we did, the, the divorce rate amongst believers might, might, might change. You see, we're, we're divorcing at the same rate as non-believers. And I think part of it is, is we found somebody and went, they're hot! <laughs> and that was it. That was a litmus test. <laughs> They're hot. We got married. It's unbelievable. Uh, n- n- number four, it's God's will that you live a pure, holy life, a sanctified life, a, a disciplined life. It's God's will. 1 Thessalonians says this God's will. Whew, he didn't want us to miss this one. God's will is for you to be holy. That just means be separated, be be different, be sanctified. And then he says, here's the deal. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Beloved, think about this. If everybody obeyed just this one command, there wouldn't be any children born out of wedlock, would there? Just this one command. (laughs) There wouldn't be any sexually transmitted diseases out there. Do you realize that there's still a bunch of sexually transmitted diseases? Now the world, you'll never hear about them. You won't hear about AIDS, you won't hear about gonorrhea or syphilis or whatever, herpes. You never hear about it anymore. You know why? Because the world doesn't wanna be confronted with its sin. So there's a blackout on TV, you never hear about it. You'd think that there weren't any more sexually transmitted diseases. Nobody wants that in the news. I don't wanna be reminded of what potentially could happen or what has already happened because I've disobeyed God. There wouldn't be any You know, all the broken hearts that come along with all the premarital sex stuff. Listen, it's God's will that you live a pure life, a holy life, a disciplined life. Now, is God saying that we, you know, should totally avoid sex? No, he's the one that thought it up. It isn't a dirty thing. It's a holy thing, which means it's to be enjoyed basically. You get it. Bible says this in second or Titus chapter 2 for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ Peter weighed in with these words so Think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scripture says you must be holy because I'm holy. Beloved, it's God's will that you live a pure life, a holy life, a sanctified life. You live differently than the world lives. Peter went on to say, For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether to the king as head of the state or the officials he's appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish acts accusations against you. It's God's will that you live an honorable life, a holy life, a sanctified life. You see that? So my question is is this. Are are you living a self-controlled holy life? Are you living a different kind of life? And that's a question for you to wrestle around with. Let me ask you this. Is the person you're dating able to control themselves? Are they living a holy life? That, one, that one's pretty weighty, don't you, don't you think? Number five, it's God's will that you live with an attitude of, of gratitude. That you be a joyful person. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, always be joyful, always be joyful, always be joyful. Never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God didn't want us to miss this one. He says, This is God's will that you have an attitude of gratitude. He wants us to be joyful all the time. Now, now I want you to notice what God says. He says, be thankful in all circumstances, right? You see that? It doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. It says in all circumstances, and there's a huge difference. I mean, why would God want you to be thankful for cancer? Why would God want you to be, I don't know, thankful for leukemia? Why would God want you to be thankful for the accident that happened that goofed up your body or, or someone you loved? You know, life or whatever. It doesn't say for all circumstances, it says in all cir- circumstances. But why does God even want us to be thankful in all circumstances? Well, Romans chapter 8 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes uh, for them. Here's the deal. God is working all things for our good. God takes everything that happens to us, our mistakes, our errors, even the problems that we bring on ourselves, and he brings them around, and he uses them for good. In other words, God takes the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he brings something beautiful out of it. That's why he says, you be thankful. You have an attitude of gratitude. Because I'm using everything that happens in your life for something really beautiful. I'm doing that in your life. So you can be thankful in all circumstances. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter four, always be full of joy uh, in the Lord. I say it again, re- rejoice. So here's the question. Are, are you a joyful person? Are you a thankful person? Are you a person that just has an attitude of gratitude? Uh, I I meet a lot of people throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, and ever so often I meet somebody who claims to be a Christian, and they are they're just miserable. Um, and it doesn't take me but about thirty seconds to go, "How do I get out of this meeting?" There's something stinky about a Christian who's just always bummed out, just miserable. And I don't even like being around them. And I always think, man, I need to start praying for their spouse. How horrible must it be to live with someone like that? Just always bummed and always down and just always... Hey, do you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and that you're going to heaven? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> kind of people who could win thirty million dollars in the lottery and be ticked off because last week it was thirty-two million. Man. Only won thirty million. You know, last week it was thirty-two million. You know, people like that. They're just just—they're horrible examples of, of, of believers you are horrible ambassadors for the faith. Your sins have been forgiven because of what he did at the cross. You're going to spend your eternity with him forever and ever and ever. You see, Christians ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. That doesn't mean we don't get bummed. I, I get bummed. At times I get depressed. I get it. But what's the pattern of your life? How about this, does the person you're dating, are they a joyful person? Do they have an attitude of, of gratitude? Or are they just always finding something to complain about, you know? Just, the seats are too hard, it was too hot, it was too cold, it was no good, man, what's a jumbotron, I don't like it. That thing, I thought it was gonna burn up. You know, just, just, you know, just something, coffee. Prices are too high. I don't don't like the thing in there. They find something. They're just always griping about something. Number six. It's God's will that you honor Him with your wealth. Proverbs chapter three pretty much sums it up. God says, honor the Lord with your wealth, and not just any part of your wealth. He doesn't. He doesn't want the leftovers. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, the first part of everything you produce. That's God's will, that you be a generous person. You know, the reason why we take the offering, the reason why every church takes an offering, some will pass a plate or a basket, some will put an offering in the front, some will have them in the back. There's lots of ways that you can fulfill God's will here. But you can't miss what God's will is. Somebody had sent Paul a question, and he responds to the question in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedures I gave the church in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money that you have earned." And we, we try to, you know, live by this. Now, now, some of you may get paid every week. Some of you get paid every two weeks. Some of you get paid every month. I know some of you get paid every quarter. And what God says is, is listen, I, I, it's my will that you honor me with the first part of it. I, I, I didn't make this up. So let me ask you a question. Do you honor the Lord with a, with a part of your wealth? Are you a generous person? Are you are you in God's will? How about this one? Does the person you're dating honor the Lord with a part of their wealth? I remember, I don't know, it was a few years ago, I met with a couple. They were dating and and um, I didn't know the guy, the gal asked if I would meet with them. And, you know, when you're a neutral observer, when you don't have a horse in the race, it's easy. And she said, I just want you to meet with him and talk with him. And so he came in and you know, and he was saying all the right things, and, you know, I don't know, you can fool me. I'm easy to fool. Um, but I said, hey, listen, you know, you've been going to First B for how long? And he, he had been going there for like 10 years or whatever it was. And I said, hey, well, just let me, let me do this. Can I call First B right now? I, I know their financial guy, and I just want to know if they have any record of you giving. Now, they won't tell me how much you give unless you want to give them permission to let me know but i just like to call them because every church has to keep a record of it because we send out those things every quarter to everybody. <laughs> You'd have thought, man, like I, I had become the devil. I was Lucifer. This guy went ballistic. And I said, so the answer's no, you don't want me to check that out. And there was a reason why he didn't want me to check it out. He wasn't doing it. But he hardly attended. The good news was is that gal engaged her brain. She didn't act thoughtlessly. She wanted to know what the Lord's will was. And so you know what she did? She dumped him. She did the smart thing. She's gonna make a decision about something pretty weighty in her life. Who am I gonna marry? Here's a guy, you know, who's been going to church for X amount of years, and, you know, and he, he wasn't happy. And by the way, let me just tell you this: last night, um, there was a couple that waited for me, and the the guy wasn't real happy with me. I didn't know him. And he told me he didn't, you know, didn't really like the church, you know, he didn't like the music, he didn't like me, he didn't like the preaching, and so I knew he wasn't, you know, from here. And I said, well, join the club. There's a whole lot of people out there who don't like me, you know, um, but he, he was not happy with the message because guess who was sitting next to him? The girl he's dating. And guess what I was allowing the Word of God to do I was allowing the Word of God to help her think through whether it was the Lord's will that they should marry or even date. Now, I don't know what decision she's going to make. I will call her, though, this next week. And as her pastor, I will use all my influence to encourage her to dump the guy. She may not. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get to live everyone's life, man. I only get to live my own. But see how I'm allowing the word of God, I'm allowing God's word to be the tool that is used for you to determine whether you're in God's will for yourself or whether in this case, it's God's will that you date or marry somebody. I'm just letting the word of God do it. You know, that's all. Uh, Number seven, it's God's will that you obey his word. John chapter 10 says the people surrounded him, Jesus, and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus replied, I've already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is in the work uh, I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you're not of my sheep. And then he says, my sheep listen to my voice, and they follow me. In other words, they do it. It's God's will that you, you hear his voice, like you're doing today, and that you follow it. Beloved, here's the deal. And this might be the most profound thing that I say. You might want to write this down, okay? Um, a follower of Jesus, buckle your seatbelts, follows Jesus I'll tell you, that'd be a great book, wouldn't it? (laughs) You see, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're you're following Jesus. I don't know what you are if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, but you go, yeah, I don't know about those. I don't know about that. That's no good. I ain't going to do that. Well, you can call yourself anything you want, but a follower of Christ is somebody who follows Christ. Now, like I said, none of us are going to do it perfectly. But you've got to ask yourself, what's the pattern in my life? Am I somebody, when I'm confronted with the Word of God, maybe when you go home today and you look at the two or three or the seven no's that you got circled, are you somebody who goes, "Whoa, whoa 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 whoa." I have a heart to follow what God says, and so God help me in this area. I need to move the circle from the no category to the yes" category. I want to be right in the middle of God's will, you see. What, what, what's the heart that you have? Do you have a desire to obey the, the, the word of God? Yes or no? And, and then, you know, does the person you're dating have a love for, for the Word? Do they have a desire to obey God's Word? Do you, you know, have you gotten together with them and, you know, you see his or her Bible or, you know, when they come to church, you know, they, they love to study and hear the Word of God? Or Or not? Now, before I give you the last one, number eight, let me give you a few quick ones that didn't make the the survey. It's God's will that you serve others. Is the person that you're dating, are they serving someplace within the church? Are you serving someplace within the church? It's God's will that you serve. God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another, is what the Bible says. It's God's will that you live humbly, It's God's will that you have a heart for the lost. It's God's will that you be a law-abiding citizen. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say about that. But let me give you number eight real quick, and I'll end here. It's God's will that you not marry an unbeliever. This was important to God, and so he made this crystal clear. See if you... See if I need to do any explaining as I just read God's Word, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, You are not the same as those who do not believe. You're not the same. So do not join yourself to them. Good and bad do not belong together. Light and darkness cannot share together. How can Christ and Belel, the, the devil, have any agreement? What can a believer have together with a non-believer? Now, I think the principle here is way broader than just marriage, but you can't miss what God's will is here, and what's stunning to me is how many Christians will marry an unsaved person. I mean, they they totally will look at God's word and blow it off and say, I don't want to be in God's will, and then they step out of God's will, and and they do just the opposite of what God says. Now, here at Big Valley Grace, we won't marry somebody who's a Christian and a non-Christian. We won't do it. But I guarantee you, you know, it won't take you long to find somebody who has a pulpit and a church, and they'll do it. A lot of people don't care. A lot of preachers don't care what the Word of God says, especially if you're going to give them a hundred bucks to perform the ceremony. But this church won't do it. And the reason why we won't do it is because God's Word is crystal clear. Now, we often will have people who go through our premarital classes, and it might be some of you. We have a lot of people in our premarital classes, a lot of people who don't even go to this church who go to through our premarital classes, because ours are pretty comprehensive, and we're just up front, look, if you're an unsaved person, you can be in the class. We'll walk you through the class. We'll do all this, the material with you, but we just want you to know, at the end of the class, we won't marry you if one of you saved and one of you's not, because God's word is crystal clear. And with, like I said, what's shocking is, is they'll find somebody who'll do it. <laughs> Let me ask you a question: Are you dating someone that isn't a follower of Jesus? And see, here's the deal: What a lot of people will say is, is you know, well, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm I'm hoping that by the end of the thing, you know, after we've been together and you know our emotions are all intertwined and all that, that at the end of it, you see that they'll give their life to Christ. What if they don't? You you know, they're hoping. It's like it's like standing on the edge of a a pool and the pool's empty, and you go, "Okay, I'm going to dive in and I'm just going to hope that by the time I, there'll be water in it." Well, you wouldn't do that. That would be dumb. But that's kind of what you're doing when you say, well, I, I know what the Bible says, but I'm hoping that when it's all said and done, you know, they'll, they'll give their life to Christ. I've brought him to church twice. All I'm doing is pointing out to you what God's will is. God's will that you love him above all else. It's God's will that you love and care about people. It's God's will that your life be transformed in the likeness of Jesus. It's God's will that you live a pure and self-disciplined life. It's God's will that you have an attitude of gratitude. It's God's will that you honor him by being generous. It's God's will that you obey his word. It's God's word that you serve others, live humbly, have a heart for the lost, that you'd be a law-abiding citizen. It's God's will that you're not marry an unbeliever. And all I've asked you to do is evaluate your, your, yourself. And just kind of take a look at your own life. And as I said... I didn't even scratch the surface of all the things that the Bible says is God's will for your life. Jesus said this in John 17. If anyone chooses to do God's will, you see, you get to make a choice, don't you? I get to make a choice. You can make the choice to say, I'm going to do God's will. And that comes with a consequence. Or you can say, you know what, thank you pastor, I appreciate you showing me what the scriptures say, but I'm gonna choose not to do God's will. You can make that choice, and that also comes with a consequence. But the bottom line is, is that you get to choose. God doesn't force you to do his will, you get to make that call. And let me just tell you something, if you circled yes, if you're in God's will in just these few areas that I shared with you, and you're trying to figure out what God's will is between, you know, should you buy a Chevy or a, you know, a, a Mazda, here, here's the deal. Pick one! <laughs> Don't fret over whether you got to buy a Mazda or a Jeep. God, there are much weightier things that are God's will for your life than whether you buy a Mazda or a Jeep. I got the feeling if you answered yes to just these few things that I've talked about, God will bless you whether you buy the Mazda or the Jeep. You'll be okay. You see, we're, we're looking for all these other things and God's, you know, I don't know, in heaven going, hello, hello? really? You really want to know what my will is as opposed to a Jeep and a, and a, and a Mazda? Really? Please, please. Here it is. This is way, weightier than whether I buy a two-story house or a one-story house or whatever. Here, here. Live this out. Watch what I do with whatever car you buy or whatever house you choose to buy or Whatever all the other things of of life might be. Does that that make some sense to you? Over in the venue, wanted to stand up. Everybody in here, stand up. Let let me me in with with prayer, okay? (laughs) Lord, thanks for this book I got in my hand, and without it, I got nothing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, Without this book, Lord, uh, I wouldn't really know much about you at all. I would have no clue as to what your will is for my life. But the beautiful thing is is that you left us your word. And it's in this book right here that I find those things that you want me to do with my life, those things you want me to stay away from in my life. Your will is revealed right here, God. And may we be a church family that, that really takes the word of God seriously. It is the lamp that guides us. I pray that as people go home and they look at their little list, if they have a a no that's circled or or two no's that are circled, or maybe they're all circled no, God, that maybe your Holy Spirit would work in their life and they would say, wow, i got to get back in God's will in these areas. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And I pray these things in your name and all of God's people said, amen. 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 Hey, live for, for Christ.